TJ Chark, he was really good down the stretch. Uh, the last, you know, when they were winning games and almost made the playoffs, he was, you know, his classic, you know, 17 and a half yards per reception, you know, stretching the field, doing the things he can do as a six foot four, four, three, four guy. And, and the reason why I think it could be a value is everyone's knocking this draft class at wide receiver also, which I get. And in particular, the one thing that does not have is there's just not speed really at this position. If he stays healthy. He just brings an element that I think nobody else on the market brings. Welcome to the Unexpected Points Podcast. I am your host, Kevin Cole. Today, I'm going to be joined by a distinguished guest, Brad Spielberger of PFF. I love Brad. I love the work he's doing. Uh, We agree on a lot in this episode, but he also illuminates quite a lot when it comes to free agency. So we're going to talk free agency, offensive, defensive positions, what's going on with the guys left at quarterback. We'll also get into a little bit of the quarterback contracts that I hadn't discussed yet. So Carr, Gino, and Daniel Jones and what we think about those deals. If anyone's wondering about a, like a Lamar Jackson take, I did do a solo pod earlier this week that you should check out where I go into all the ins and outs and all my thoughts on Lamar Jackson there. Uh, if you want to follow Brad on Twitter at PFF underscore Brad, uh, fantastic information here across the board here. And again, he's probably like top, two sort of guys and I don't even know in which order between Jason Fitzgerald and Brad maybe Brad would edge Jason a little bit as far as he this is like his full-time job um, but I love both of those guys as far as being able to go over everything actually I, I don't even want to say they're tied they're tied because Jason's so good at everything else I can't make a decision here um, but one of the most informative guys you can talk to and get us ready here for free agency, pointing out guys who we think we're going to be values, potentially guys who are overvalued and talk about some thematic things by the positions in free agency and what you should be looking for. Uh, if you're not subscribed to this pod, please do so. If you are not subscribed to my Substack, unexpectedpoints.substack.com, please go check it out because I got some good information there, not only on projections for all of the free agency class, uh, combine, all that stuff, which drills matter, which drills don't matter. I am going to put out my off-season improvement index is going to launch on Monday, which I had done before at PFF. And it basically looks at all of the different uh, additions, subtractions, trades in the off-season, how that affects teams. And I'm going to do it on a point basis, looking at my NFL plus minus valuation calculation. Uh, Also improving that a little bit there by adding in draft picks, which honestly are not that important. Rookies are not that important uh, in in their first year in the NFL. But it's going to look at all that and try to get an estimation of how much teams are going to improve on a point basis year over year versus their roster at the end of last season. So that'll be coming out. And then, of course, as we get further and further into the draft, I've already started compiling all of my data to do wide receiver, running back, tight end quarterback projections and rankings for how I would rank those guys with real NFL value and also from a fantasy football perspective. All right, everybody, let's get into the, let's get into the content here. Let's get to my man, Brad Spielberger. All right. Welcome to the pod, Brad. Let's talk free agency. You're the free agency, man. This is your time of year. This is your time to shine. Uh, I want some of that light to flow its way over to the Unexpected Points podcast. So I appreciate you joining me, first of all. Uh, Second, let's talk agenda for this uh, episode here. So I went over this a little bit with you beforehand, but I can lay it out for everyone here. We're going to talk quarterback some, and then we'll go into the other non-quarterback positions, maybe values or guys who we think may be overpaid uh, offensively, defensively, and then I'm going to talk about it, of course, from a macro sort of perspective, everything else. So, but before we start, I have to ask you, uh, are your legs, are your legs sore this week from, uh, all those victory laps you've been, you've been taking all, all week long. I just want to make sure, uh, you're seated, right? So you're okay. You can stand up through this episode. I'm sitting down. Yeah. Danny Dimes was the true bullseye. Gino, obviously, as we've now seen, was, was which I did say in my tweet in the victory lap. Like, I knew that was not the actual base value. Yeah. You got, um, uh, you got Schultz. That's what I'm saying. I got now. Schultz. Yeah. But well, at least wait, I knew. Yeah. At least as, I knew. as an insider now, you're part of the insider game. 
what happens when like the Schefters of the world or the rap reports, they, they got Schultz, like they got Schultz big time, in my opinion, because this is my idea. My idea is like they see that they're like, oh, fuck, like I got to do something on this. Maybe they talk to whoever was talking to Jordan Schultz, Gino's agent, whoever it is, and they kind of maybe run with it a little bit more quickly than they would otherwise or with less confirmation because of the fact that they had gotten Schultz. Do you think that's possible? I think it's true. Uh, not not like you know calling him out or anything, but Garofalo did confirm that actual you know three year one hundred and five million. Where like you said, if he was first, well, here's the thing though. Yes, I'm in the insider game, but I would never do that, and I think they know that. So <laughs> I'm never going to get a lot of these scoops because I would be like, well, what's the actual base value? What do the what does the contract actually look like? Um, and that's not going to help me uh, earn a lot of favors from agents. So yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Like the whole Geno story. I mean. I've been a bit of a Gino hater. Well, it's not that I'm a hater. Like I'm a hater of people. I'm a hater of like overreactions in any in any sort of direction. So even when it comes to to Gino generally and the Gino love fest, I mean I'm happy for him. I, I'm glad that he got it. I wonder how many people out there though like even realize the structure of this contract might make it like a coin flip that they draft a quarterback here and then like all the Gino love is like, poof, you know, all this thing, we believe in Gino, Gino's our guy, Gino this, Gino that. Like it's it's basically going to be like, okay, he's got the starting job for like five weeks potentially um, if they draft a quarterback. Now that, he, now that all the details are out, he got less than the franchise tag and it could turn into a one-year $28 million deal with, you know, a little bit of dead cap but not enough dead cap to make you, you know, not move on. I think he'll get a season and then 2024 is entirely up in the air. And I really do think Seattle, like, there's a good chance that they take a quarterback. They they don't really hide their, their you know, their moves a lot of the time. They're picking top five. Pete Carroll's met with every single guy um, at the Combine. He's vibing. Yeah, I mean, I think he's vibing yeah. with all of these guys. Vibing with them all, unlike Sauce Gardner, apparently. Uh, <laughs> they, they have beef now. But, yeah, no, it, it doesn't well, I really that. Wait, What's the Sauce Gardner beef? Break it. That's not, I know I should know this stuff, but what's the Sauce he, Gardner beef? He said that Pete Carroll, like, sat too close to him during their interview last year. <laughs> it was, like, a weird thing. So then Pete Carroll. He's old. Account, Maybe he can't I, hear. Maybe he can't hear that well. Uh, that's Give him a probably break. He's, I mean, he's 70 years old. He's been yelling, probably been yelling at the top of his lungs for 50 years. But, um, and then Pete Carroll's Twitter, which I doubt is him, put out a tweet of like pictures of the interview where he's sitting like across the room. Oh. <laughs> and then Sauce quote tweeted that and was like, Your social media team picked out a couple, like, you know, whatever. Like, so, like, it's not an actual beef. Wait, did they draw those lines to tell whether or they not like, done the relationship that? Like, who's right, the, right. who the alpha and who was the beta in this? Maybe have. he was That's trying to point. cuck. Was he trying to cuck Sauce Gardner? There's it's, a possibility hey, there. It's, it, it's a good question, but hey, they got three one. You know, they're happy. Every, everyone's happy, but uh, yeah, it's it's a funny random beef going on on Twitter right now. That is a funny random beef. I like, I I, I like the Dion type of movie. Should have done the Dion move where it's like, where where are you drafting again? Okay, no, I'm not. I'm not going to be able to meet with right. you in the first place. Right. Like, I'm not. I'm not wasting my time with this with this meeting. I like that. Like when you just pre deny everything before it. Okay, so sorry, we got off, we got off track here. Um, but because I was thinking about Gino coming into this thing. I, I, whatever, I think about it too much because it never happens, but I was like, okay, if Gino really wants a lot of money, could you like transition tag him? Because I like getting feedback from the rest of the NFL, but it seems like Gino made this pretty easy, honestly. Like there was no reason to do any sort of tag if you're going to be able to do this sort of deal. I was clearly very confident that there was not someone who's going to pay him more than they were. Um, like, yeah, they didn't even have to go to a transition tag. And, and he made it easy. They had all the leverage in the world because he had about $17 million in career earnings before this offseason. His signing bonus alone is more than that, right? So he just doubled his career earnings. Like, it's still great for him in a vacuum, but he couldn't, you know, you know, drive a hard bargain like a Daniel Jones, like a Derek Carr, because if Seattle said, yeah, you know what, then fine, whatever, we'll go a different direction – like there is that there was a chance that no team steps up and maybe he gets, you know, kind of like a one year flyer incentive heavy type deal. So he couldn't take that risk. I think he and his, his group realized that I'm not knocking them for the deal. I think they took about as much as they could. The incentives are pretty lofty as well. I think it's gonna be hard for him to earn a lot of them. Um, but that's the leverage you get when a guy has been a journeyman for the last like eight years. Yeah, yeah, and I also think from Gino's perspective, I mean, I think it's a, I think it's a fantastic deal for the Seahawks. I don't, but at the same time, is I don't think it's a bad deal for Gino. And if he has positive feelings about everything, if he, uh, you know, just wants to get it done and 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 have this locked in, and if he plays well, if they draft a quarterback again, in this scenario, and he continues to look okay uh, during the first five six weeks of the season, um. 
next year, if they let him go or if they want to trade him, someone may pick him up. And he still is like in that realm of being a starter elsewhere. So I don't think it like imperils his ability to be a starter elsewhere. In fact, taking a more modest contract might actually help facilitate something if they decide to to trade him later on. Now, let's talk about these other guys, because I'm not too much of a fan of these other contracts. I mean, I think the Geno deal was a good like win win from my perspective. Uh, may, again, Gino probably could have extracted a, maybe a little bit more if he tried to play hardball. You never know, um, because maybe the Seahawks would have got a little nervous about who knows what they're going to who they're going to get in the draft if they really felt like all the quarterbacks could potentially be gone at that point. Uh, I think I don't know. I, I don't know which one of the deals I like less, <laughs> the Car deal or the Jones deal. Let's talk Car first, as that was the first one to drop. When I see these deals like Cars. I'm just like, who are you really bidding against in this circumstance? Because the Jets are there, but we know that the Jets, like it's a clear second choice. And I guess just from the perspective of the Saints overall, yeah, Dalton's definitely a downgrade. I get it. The division stinks. So maybe that's your play there is to try to win the division. But I, I feel like there's a bit of this like principal agent problem going on there in particular here where you have Dennis Allen and... Mickey Loomis to a degree, I don't know, maybe Mickey Loomis has enough goodwill where it doesn't matter that much, but to have to really wash out this franchise is going to be tough. And if they can get Carr and they can make the playoffs, it kind of like extends your timeline for those guys, even if they're probably significantly overpaying on this deal. I almost think it's in a ways a favor to Dennis Allen, who was Carr's head coach when he was a rookie. Um, and I thought Allen was a borderline getting fired type of guy this offseason. And now you're giving him and look, it's two years, 60 million, realistically, probably two years, 70 million, um, you know, because he'll have some guarantees kick in, which, you know, is is fine. But, yeah, it's just like, I mean, Seth Galino, who's our quarterback, guru, said Andy Dalton played better than Carr last year anyway. Like, it's not it's not like it's some massive upgrade. Um so, yeah, but that's the thing is they, they look at the division and they think, hey, we can go 9-8 and eight and make the playoffs and host a playoff game. And I'll say this, too, they have a principal agent problem. In this scenario, I actually don't think it is. The owner in New Orleans wants to win as many games as possible every single season and does not have a long-term outlook, just wants to have fans be excited, be in the building, and chasing 9-8 and eight is fine with her. Um, and, and so, you know, GMs and coaches, I'm not going to, like, excuse the, their actions, but – they do what the owner says. I mean, at the end of the day, and I think she does just want to spend uh, always. And so they just keep doing that. Okay. Well, if that's the goal, um, A++ for the season. Right. The goal is win now and do everything. I have to say, they, they're really knocking it out of the park there. Okay. The thing, that bo- the thing that worries me about this car contract, as you're saying, there are some like protections against the fact if they need to get out of it early, maybe they can. And this is going to be true of Daniel Jones. That we'll talk about too. Whenever you have a cap hit jump, nearly 30 million year over year, which happens between year one and year two on this deal, it goes for 7.2 million to 35.7 million the next year. It incentivizes these teams to potentially restructure. And that means you're going to lock yourself in even longer. If we look at Daniel Jones, we could talk about this in the context of Jones too. Uh, For Daniel Jones, I think it goes up from like 16 million to 45 million or something like that. So 21 in year one, but yeah, it probably jumps. Yeah. uh, Oh, you're right. 21 to 45. So it goes up from 21 and they have a ton of cap space this year, right? They have a ton of cap space. They're going to, they're going to, well, not a ton, but they have a decent amount of cap space. They're going to create yeah. some more with Kenny Galladay and other guys being gone. So the cap situation might be a little tighter next year if they sign some guys this offseason. And Daniel Jones's number is going to go up 24 million. What about that? The re the restructure risk in these deals. That that also, we have a question with quarterback and you might be locking yourself into a restructure a la like Tannehill, although I think I like Tannehill better than these guys in a way. Um, it can be it can be dicey. Yeah, I mean, Jones just signed a very similar contract to Dak Prescott. The four years, 160. The details are a little bit different, but you know, there was basically a built-in restructure in the second year, which happened in Dallas and might happen in New York. And even forgetting external free agents, I mean, Dexter Lawrence is going to get over 20 million dollars a year this offseason, if I had to guess. Right. And then next offseason, um, you know, it could be this offseason, but I think they'll wait. Andrew Thomas, if he plays like he did this past year, is going to get over $20 million a year at left tackle as well. So very quickly, yeah, they do have a lot of resources right now. They cleared their books. I think they were smart last offseason. They, they overperformed what they honestly tried to do. 
Um, but yeah, that, the cap space can dry up real quick if you all of a sudden are paying, you know, three dudes a combined, you know, $80 million plus per year. And I also think this could be a situation, at least the rumblings are out there. Again, I'm not as connected. You're my connected guy, so I'll come to you on this. When we talk about ownership always lurking there in the background that has a much higher influence than any of us think, when it comes to Daniel Jones and how this like Jones-Saquon tag played out, which was also the case for Tannehill and Derrick Henry to a degree, but they were able to get Derrick Henry on a deal beforehand. Um, like I think ownership, supposedly all the rumblings are ownership just loves Daniel Jones. And they might say, you know, rather than tag the guy, which seems like the clear, correct thing to do, not only do they want to be able to retain Saquon with the tag, but on top of that, I don't think they want to haggle with this guy. I think they want to give him what they believe to be is a fair contract in their mind and lock this guy in. And he's like their type of guy when it comes to ownership also. So I can tell you this. I, I know the new regime came in. They obviously declined the fifth-year option for a reason yes. and, and didn't really believe in Daniel Jones. I can tell you, Dable and Shane, over the course of the year, they did buy in. Like They, they, they really did. They got one over. I honestly think the same thing happened in Chicago where they, they, were, they were flexible, they, they, their mind was open, and, and they changed their opinion through the course of the year, which should you base it off one season? Probably not, but – I do think at the end that, you know, the Mara family probably put their thumb on the scale a little bit and said, you know, get this deal done. We want him to be here. And look, I, I get the franchise tag probably, in my opinion, still was the correct route, but two tags would have been about $72 million. So they gave him $82 million over two years, which is, you know, the, the, the worst case scenario or I guess best case, whatever. Um, so, you know, an extra $10 million and then, you know, of course, yes, they want to tag Saquon. He is still the face of the franchise, even with a quote-unquote franchise quarterback now. Um, and, you know, I, I do think, look, they want to win football games. That is, you know, the MO, but optics and, and media stuff and advertising, like that's that, that there is value in that from Saquon Barkley, whether we think that's, you know, like kind of silly or not, because all we care about is winning. It matters to the owners. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, yeah, again, this is just to me, well, it, it looks a little bit better now because, um, when I originally looked at this, I think it was being reported that an additional 12 million of the 2025 base salary guaranteed in March of 2024. But now I think it's actually 2025. Yep. So that yep. means two, 282 is still not 294, right? Correct. So, no, so I had the same, I had the same thing. I thought it was next season. It's actually in 2025. So there's okay. the get out of 282 is not terrible. Yeah, it's not terrible there. At the same time, I guess if I'm looking at this from a purely like optimal sort of way, I might not mind throwing some extra dollars at Saquon Barkley to sign to sign him and then franchise tagging Daniel Jones. Also, one one factor in that is um I don't think he's as valuable of a player. Um, but like the Christian McCaffrey trade, midseason trade, like if you just throw a bunch of money at it's not a bunch of money relative, we're talking about running backs here. So if you throw like a bunch of, of running back money at Saquon, if things are going well, and I'm thinking about scenarios, like the worst case scenario for the Giants is midway through the season, things aren't going well. They weren't that great last year anyway. Um, you have Daniel Jones locked in. You don't know what to do with him. You're going to have to pay him. He's going to have a cap hit of 45 million next year. If you kind of don't want him necessarily, that's happening. You, you maybe you're out of the division. It's going to be somewhat a difficult division there. Like midway through the season, if you want to just write off some signing bonus money to Saquon, like maybe you could flip him midseason to a contender who's someone who wants to make like a Christian McCaffrey type of trade. And that's a lot of draft capital there. I don't know. I feel like that could have been a route that they went where it just covers them in all these different scenarios a little bit better. That downside scenario, you can move on from Jones. You probably have a high draft pick. You gain some more picks from Saquon Barkley trading him out. People would understand trading Saquon in that circumstance. That would have been my way to like really raise the floor in this circumstance. I think that does make sense. Yeah, you just don't give a big signing bonus and, and structure the contract in a different way so there's not a ton of you know dead cap associated with it. Because, um, yeah, because teams – aren't really trying to trade for guys on tags because, you know, you can't extend a guy after July 15th. So midseason, a team basically is saying, I'm getting him for eight games, and then I either have to extend him or he's gone. Um, extend him after the season, that is. And the Giants uh, don't want to yeah. trade him. They're not Correct. Like, this is only, like, I'm saying this is only a scenario, you know, like Carolina, you know, they're just like, what the hell are we going to do with this guy? Um, it, that would be in that type of scenario where it's a lost season and they right, can still right. trade him at that point. Right. No, so, I hear you. 
So that, that would be my idea. I guess, I mean, I don't hate any of these deals necessarily, but it's tough. It's a little tough for the Carr and Jones contract being what you're getting for for these guys. So we'll see what happens. I also think it's tough for Dable and Shane just, you know, like can you survive like a a reboot post Daniel Jones as these guys? It's it it seems difficult. That's the thing, and like it is why it's unfortunate that they have the twenty sixth pick. I want to say in the draft, like it, it totally took them out of the ability to. And you know, maybe they could have gotten into the trade conversations or whatnot. But yeah, you'd think you'd buy yourself a longer runway. Again, talking about kind of perverse incentives and and, and principal agent problem. Like if they did say, hey, we still don't believe in him, we want to figure something out um, and go a different direction. The, maybe the owner should say, okay, until you get your quarterback, we're not going to kind of start your window. You've proven you're good at what you do based on this past season and getting more out of it than anyone expected coming into the year. But this is what keeps happening is once these teams, once there's a guy that's good enough, they just they just feel pigeonholed and feel they have to keep him around. And then, you know, we have conversations about how to get out of the contract in a year or two. Yeah, well, we'll see. We'll see if we have those. I mean, I I, I like Jones. I don't think he's bad. He's, he's fine. Just, he's just how he succeeded this year was like all these floor raising type of uh, attributes. It was rushing, like adding the rushing there. Like, I don't think he's going to top that necessarily. I think this is near the higher end of how much rushing value he has. And just like really limiting the downside on a per drop back yeah. basis. The uh, loss when it comes to interceptions, fumbles, and sacks, I think combined, I think he might have been the lowest on a per play basis there. So that would that's what drove for him, at least in my numbers, like an adjusted efficiency that was way, way up there. I mean, close to top five because he had so few negatives there and he had little help when it came to wide receivers there. So maybe, maybe if he can, you know, thread the needle a bit more as far as not having the not having the fumbles like he did in the past, but also making some bigger plays. I do think there's some potential for him. Um but I put it into less likely than than likely that he ends up paying off going forward. Okay, let's okay, let's get into yeah. free agencies here. Free agency here. Um, let's start with the offensive side of the ball. And I guess let's let's talk quarterbacks for these guys who are left, maybe first, or what may happen there. Uh, my whole analogy when it comes to these quarterbacks and when it comes to quarterback value um, and the bidding here is I have like this musical chair sort of thing where every offseason you have a certain number of chairs that are set up where you could potentially have a quarterback go. And as long as there are two chairs left, quarterbacks can get like really good value when it comes to signing like the car or trading for Carson Wentz and other people where that's happened early in the off season, where there are two chairs left. You think there might be this once there's one chair left or the perception that's, and you know, there's kind of one chair left, the values go way down. Like the, that's, you know, that's like the, the Baker Mayfield situation at the end of last year where there are basically almost no chairs left. Um, maybe one chair left. The Panthers weren't bidding against anyone. There was no reason for anyone else to get involved that you can just get them for a very, very cheap deal. So we have teams who need quarterbacks. We have some that have hope of getting one in the draft. So they're maybe like partially in as being a chair there. Like who do we have left that's in a non-bridge quarterback situation at this point. Maybe the Commanders were one team that I thought about that didn't have the the highest pick, so they may not be able to get a quarterback. Is there anyone else really out there, though, at this point for the other quarterbacks who I think could become relative values uh, going forward? Oh, that's uh, that's spot on. I think if the Jets thing with Rodgers happens, which it really seems like right. it will. Yeah, yeah, I'm assuming that, which which, yeah. which slots Jordan Love in to take one of those th those chairs, basically. Yeah, it's at that point, it's literally just the commanders and, and the Raiders. But I genuinely think the Raiders are just going to say Stidham in a draft pick. Like, why spend 20 million or 15 million on Jimmy Garoppolo when you can spend five on Stidham? And then you're still probably going to try to take a kid in the draft or trade up in the draft or whatever. So. I don't buy it on Carolina. Carolina's drafting a quarterback. I, like Both the Panthers organization and uh, Frank Reich have tried the veteran route 15 times in the last like five years. Like There's no yeah. way. And, and the last point on, on Garoppolo, too, two people I respect who, who I know get good information or just know things, Joel Corey at CBS Sports and, and our old buddy Ari Mayrov, um, both like think Garoppolo could get a, a really good deal. I've heard the opposite. I heard yeah, he's – I, I would bet there. the opposite. I would bet yeah. the opposite. It's just I've like heard, you mentioned – yeah. You yeah, mentioned ahead, Washington. Sorry. You mentioned Washington. Like, are they going to throw? I mean, a lot of money at Garoppolo. I don't. I don't think so. And then it becomes the Raiders who have a top ten pick, the Panthers right. who have a top ten pick, 
the Falcons, who have a top 10 pick. The Texans, who have obviously the second pick overall and almost guaranteed to draft a quarterback. So, like, everyone, he's going to be in this bridge quarterback sort of market. And we've seen, you know, some questionable deals for the bridge quarterback market. Um, uh, Glennon, your your Bears fan, you'll recognize that one that, that, that came over there. But that's not big money, you know, and it's something you can get out of. So I think Garoppolo is going to be a uh, is going to be a deal. And I think a lot of times for these teams and it's kind of it's, it's a similar sort of philosophy to all these different things. When I talk about like teams act based upon not wanting to regret something when it comes to yeah. like signing car, signing Daniel Jones, signing some of these free agents early. If you can just wait and you can pay Jimmy Garoppolo half of what you're paying Derek Carr. I understand the injury concerns things, but you know, Carr had a ton of injuries until about 2017 and then got better. I don't know if Garoppolo does anything fancy to like warrant getting a lot of injuries, but it, it's a concern, but I don't think it's enough of a Delta to say that that's like a good move, but they don't want to regret not getting their guy. And like the draft, you want to regret not getting your guy. Whereas you can sit around and wait and eventually find someone, maybe like the Patriots did for Cam Newton. Now that didn't end well, but that looked really great when it first started and they're able to get them basically for free. Cause if you just wait until the end, all the chairs are gone. You can sign these guys who are almost equivalent or maybe slightly worse than guys that are signing earlier in the offseason. That's my thing. If you're not going to take the big swing on a Rodgers-type player, there's no diff- not no difference, but there's a marginal difference between a Derek Carr and a Jimmy Garoppolo. And I do think, you know, Carr, two, two years, 60. I think Garoppolo can be signed for one year, $15 million. Like, literally, yeah. like yeah. you said, half. So, yeah, I, I agree with you there. Yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, maybe you'll end up in Houston. Um that seems like a place where I mean people just don't like them too I guess or like or I don't know maybe I'm always part of this Twitter bubble where I don't really know what the overarching opinion is like definitely within the kind of hip NFL analyst sphere there's no like bigger groan probably if your team than going for Jimmy Garoppolo even though I Whatever, I'm I'm fine. I'm I'm fine with Garoppolo there. Anything else, quarterback wise? I know we're talking about Rodgers here, and whatever the Jets got to take a swing. I don't have anything like too, you know, astounding to, to say. Re re Rodgers. Anything co- else, quarterback wise, that you're hearing out there as far as what could happen? Because I know there's some inklings about oh, what will happen with Cousins or other people. I don't think anything else is going to happen. I don't think anything else would happen. Are you hearing anything? Nothing big. A couple like little rumblings that, you know, maybe Trey Lance, if Brock Purdy's surgery goes well, maybe Trey Lance does come available. But again, that just what do you think Trey Lance could get? What do you think Trey Lance? I mean, I'm Mr. Like guys don't lose their value, but I'm saying they don't lose their fair value. Like, I don't know what the fair value is for Lance at this point, being that he's definitely was drafted at the high end of what anyone would have expected that he was going to be drafted. Um, I haven't heard like the greatest things about him in camp. Uh, he looked okay in preseason and other things, mostly because he would complete like one seventy yard pass um, every other, you know, every other half that he was playing. And that was building everything. And then when he actually got into NFL action, other than the Houston Texans game, he hasn't looked good really. And he's, and he's gotten injured. So for all those things together, what, what are we talking about the market for even Trey Lance would be at this point? It just seems like a tough pill to swallow potentially for the 49ers, other than the fact that they have third round picks raining on them from all these compensatory picks. That's the thing is that it's so hard optically to trade up two first round picks to go get him. And then from what I've heard, like a second round pick would be on the table, but you're not going to get a first for him. Um, yeah, you know. that's what I would assume. Maybe two seconds. Yeah. Maybe you could get two seconds for him. I don't know where he is like vis-a-vis Sam Darnold. I mean, Darnold should be a lot lower. Like, the opinion should have been a lot lower on him, having so much more of a bad sample to him. But people like Darnold. I mean, people thought Darnold was the number one pick in that draft, where I don't think there's as many believers in Trey Lance necessarily throughout the NFL. No, I don't. But I mean, yeah, Darnold got a two, six, and a four, you know, a second, a six, and a future fourth. Like, you'd imagine Lance would get more because that was also going into the fourth year of Donald's deal, where this would be going into the third year of Lance's deal. Right. Um, so there's all those things. Uh, and then you can pick up the fifth year option, all that. So, you know, maybe two twos. I would guess like a, a two or three, and, and then like some day three stuff. Um, which, yeah, I mean, I think they're like the Raiders, like maybe consider that, you know, with the commanders, maybe consider that. Uh, it, like you said, though, I, I think Donald had like more the classic, like, let me get my hands on this guy. I can fix him, uh, which yeah. is, you know, guys talk themselves into with, with, with these quarterbacks sometimes. 
Yeah, I mean, Darnold as a prospect, I mean, it's a little bit like maybe people don't remember because he didn't go number one. People really liked him a lot. I mean, if you were going to like have these draft guys rank order their favorite prospects from, you know, 2015 to 2019, he might have been like number one amongst amongst all these guys. I mean, maybe Winston was up there too. Wentz, a lot of people liked Wentz a lot, probably more than even liked Goff in there. And Murray, I don't think Murray was really close to what people thought about Darnold. So yeah, it's interesting to see that. Uh, one other guy that I am interested in, more so like I just love getting some information and some evidence. It's like I'm pretty interested in this Jordan Love thing because he's another guy where I feel like he hasn't shown much of anything and I haven't heard necessarily great rumblings on him. But something over the last year, did the Packers like really become more confident in him? And that's why they're wanting to wash their hands of Rodgers, which it seems like. Or are they just sick of Aaron Rodgers? I honestly think and it's always hard to read the tea leaves. I kind of do think they have seen growth. Like like you said, the early rumblings were not that good. And now, you know, even a couple of players. He's inactive saying, hey, his entire rookie year. So that's right. like not good. <laughs> right, all right. Um, but yeah, I mean, and then you start hearing just kind of things about how teammates think he could be a starter. And yes, I'm sure part of it also is just being tired of dealing with Aaron Rodgers. But I think it's at least genuine to a degree. The interesting thing there is like we'll also know because in May, you know, the fifth year option deadline is due. If they hypothetically do trade Aaron Rodgers, do they truly double down by also picking up Love's fifth year option? Or do they take the risk of him just playing in his last year and not having that protection? Of course, the franchise tag would be there, but I think that'll be a big tell as well. Yeah, it'll be interesting because like once Rodgers is gone, I think there'll also be a lot of tea leaves around how they build around here. Like, do they take a massive hit and try to trade like Bakhtiari or someone like that? Do they do they think about other guys, how they want to build out this franchise? It, it, and if they free up a ton of cap space, then maybe you could say, oh, well, we'll fifth year him. And if he if he stinks, he stinks. And, you know, we'll have him as our like backup option going into next year. If he's good, we have like a like like a decent player there. I, I think he's going to stink. But I mean, I'm interested to see. I'm interested to see what what will happen. I guess I'm not a big believer. I wasn't a big believer in him in the first place. And then I don't know. You know, like when when you when you, I think if you're the Packers too, you probably have this idea after seeing like the Favre Rogers love thing that you you're like, well, well, we had questions about you know Favre when we brought him in as a former. So we had questions about Aaron Rodgers. So they may like be a little bit skewed perception wise into like it doesn't happen. Like not everyone turns into a Hall of Famer eventually. Um, and we'll see what what happens there. All right, let's 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 get to the other positions. Um, and I'll get with with you on this as far as the offensive positions. Wide receivers, maybe I'll start with some skill positions first. Is it as bad as everyone is saying? It definitely. I mean, there's just not a lot of talent there. Is there any um, any hope, any ray of like hope? Let's, let's talk when we talk about overvalued, undervalued. Is there any like particular player you could say this is what I think he could sign for, and I could see why that would be a value. I think for me that's DJ Chark, which might sound funny. You know, I think he's going to get in the 10, 11 year, per year range. And yeah. he signed a one-year $10 million flyer last year, got hurt again for the first like half of the season. But he was really good down the stretch. Uh, the last, you know, when they were winning games and almost made the playoffs, he was, you know, his classic, you know, 17 and a half yards per reception, you know, stretching the field, doing the things he can do as a six foot four, four three four guy. And, and the reason why I think it could be a value is, Everyone's knocking this draft class at wide receiver also, which I get. And in particular, the one thing that does not have is there's just not speed really at this position. Maybe Quentin Johnson, which I guess is kind of like a, a Chark-esque player. But guess why I, I think he, if he stays healthy, he just brings an element that I think nobody else on the market brings. Um, he's not going to sign for cheap, but I don't think he's going to sign. You know, in today's NFL, $10 million a year is like wide receiver three money, not even wide receiver two money. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. I, I think it could be good value. Do you think, is, like, is this another, like, he's – is he still in the show me sort of category as far as one year versus longer? I mean, he already did that once, but he didn't really show much. He didn't have a chance yeah. to show much. Yeah, I could see him wanting to get some more and kind of signing like an MVS type deal, you know, a three-year 30 type of thing, um, or betting on himself again. He didn't show much, but again, it was more injury-related as opposed to bad play. And then when he did play, he was pretty darn good. So it could go either way. These guys, they oftentimes, if he thinks like, hey, get one more good year, like a juju, like goes back-to-back on the one-year flyers, and the second time it, it appears to have worked. I guess we'll see how the market pans out. But So maybe he, he does go that route. Um, but I also can see him just say, you know what, let's just take the three years, 35, which is what I have him at, um, and, and just get some more assurances, some more guarantees, and, and some more cash. 
Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, so what about on the on the flip side of the equation? Is this just like the Nicole Hardman discussion here? Because you yep. didn't even have him ranked, I don't think, <laughs> in the free agency. And I think there's a good chance, maybe the best chance that he that he gets he gets well, best chance, you know, split amongst like 10 different guys who are vying for it. But I think he has a chance of someone talking themselves into a explosive guy. Maybe they put on like his rookie film and they're like, hey, you know, that's like if we could get that going, maybe he could be the most overpaid guy of this cycle. The Christian Kirk of this cycle. I've been calling that for for a while now. But what do you think about him as being an overpaid guy? Was he going to be your guy? He was going to be my guy. He led me right there. Yeah, I've heard the same. I heard from multiple people in Indianapolis that he could probably top 10 million. I don't know how far he tops 10 million by, but I mean, the guy's the most explosive offense in the NFL with 5,000 passing yards a year. I think he's never had 600 receiving yards in a season. Yes, he's fast. That's awesome. That's great. That, that's, that's about all he can currently boast. So I've heard that. I think it'll be a bad deal for whoever signs it. Uh, a small part of me is concerned the Bears could be that team. Yeah, everyone's um, drawing that connection. Well, he played with Justin Fields. Not even just not even just Ryan Poles. He played with Justin Fields at Georgia. Uh, so it's you know it's a connection to both guys, um, and they, they they are still kind of desperate for some speed in the slot in particular, and then have Mooney and Claypool on the outsides and just try to go you know wisdom of the crowds at, at wide receiver and have a bunch of you know three wide receiver two two slash threes. Um, but yeah, I think he's going to get a big deal, and I think it's going to not age very well. I mean, if you look at what Fields does well, though, again, I'm gonna t- I'm gonna talk to I'm a, Ryan Poles is a listener, of course, so I'm gonna ta- I'm gonna talk him into this bad deal. If you if you look at think about what Justin Fields does well, it's it's not necessarily like quick game, yeah. you know, progressions, whatever. I, I don't know any of this stuff, but he takes a lot of sacks, so it can't be great in that in that regard. Maybe like dialing up stuff where you're scared of the run and then you could just toss it over the top I and mean, he throws an incredible ball right yep. and incredibly strong arm so i could see themselves talking themselves into somebody there maybe the you know the the Valus jones is supposed to be that that guy and you know that was a questionable pick and, and the same point so i don't know if they still believe in him there but maybe that'll be like the thought process if it does end up happening no, that is his game. He, he takes shots. He's a what are they touch touchdown or checkdown mentality that you know needs to improve on the intermediate stuff. And like you said, some of the I don't think he's an issue working through progressions. I think or the speed of which he does it is not great. I think he can do it, um, yeah. but you know he needs to speed the clock up a little bit. But yeah, as of right now, he is a like you said, you can get away with some bombs over the top because teams are so worried about your run game in particular with him. Um, you know, so it, it does make sense. Actually, I shouldn't even say working through progressions. The one thing that I noticed in my very amateur film based stuff and i know this would get pointed out so i'm like you know i'm basically just saying whatever a color analyst is saying when they're <laughs> they're watching a bears game is there are times where he even has on a first read what is kind of like an nfl open receiver but he doesn't pull the trigger so i don't know yep. what that is that's not really like a progression thing it's like it's like I, I I still think I can do something better than that maybe, or, or, you know, he's just not, he just doesn't want to squeeze it in there sometimes. So maybe that's more of the, of the issue um, here. So I shouldn't uh, say progression because I don't, no, I don't, I don't know anything about his progression. No, I think what it is, is like, look, the knocks on like X school quarterback is dumb. Obviously they're all different players, but yeah. yeah, I mean, his receivers at Ohio state were wide open on every snap. Like there is NFL open and college open. And I do think that is an issue for him right now, which again, he can improve on. Um, but yeah, I think that's a bigger. Uh, he had plays where he was on his fourth progression. Like you could see him go through each thing. Yeah. I think it's more like trust that your guy will make a play. Which I guess also in his defense, maybe he shouldn't be trusting the guys they had last year to make a play. So yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe, uh, too too many progressions. <laughs> too many maybe. progressions. Maybe. That that right. might have been. Yeah, I was watching right. some CJ Stroud the other day. Man, these dudes are just wide open. That I mean, he throws a nice yeah. ball and he's accurate. But man, um, uh, I'm a little concerned. I have to I have to say I'm a little concerned about that without trying to be one of these guys that like you know passed on Aaron Rodgers because Cal quarterbacks couldn't be successful right. back in the day. That was a whole thing. Uh, anyone else wide receiver? Do you guys, Jacoby Myers is another guy that people talk about. I don't know how interested is in the NFL in a four, six, uh, undrafted free agent type of guy. I think he's gonna be underpaid. Yeah. I mean, I have him at 16 and it's probably going to be too high. I think he's going to get like 13 to 14. Um, and yes, I get, yeah, the, the athletic, you know, the testing was not there. It's why he went undrafted, but the dude creates great separation, both on PFF data, other people's data. I've seen he gets open. He's also not just a slot guy. He played a, plays a third of his snaps out wide. Like he can do things different. Um, you know, the, the Patriots brought in like four different receivers by, by the draft, by trading for yeah. Devontae Parker, all these things, signing free agents like Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne and Myers was the leading receiver both times, no matter what they tried to do. So 
I think he'll be underpaid. I'm not going to say you shouldn't get Christian Kirk money, but I think you should get 15, 16. And literally just because of draft status and things like that, he'll get, you know, 12, 13, 14. I think it'd be a good deal. Okay. And lastly, before moving on here, I guess I'll just bucket Beckham and Thomas in the same bucket. Although there may be fewer injury concerns about Beckham, strangely, than there are about Thomas at, at this point. Um, well, what do you think about like the guys who have been truly elite in the past for sustained periods of time? It wasn't just like a flash in the pan, even for Thomas, um, who are now in their late twenties and like, can you sign these guys to anything but a prove it type of deal? And would, are there scenarios where that could work? I think maybe it can work in some scenarios as long as you're not, like looking at your roster and checking and saying, okay, we got this filled, you know, as, as, as long as more like you're approaching the wide receiver position more as you should, which is saying just because we have three good wide receivers, we're not like done at wide receiver, you know, let's go ahead and like having an extra guy. If we have, I don't know how much it's going to cost though, 10, 15 million sitting around to bring them in for a year and go ahead and take that shot. Like should teams be considering that? Yeah, so the interesting thing with Thomas is I now do think it's possible he re- signs a new deal in New Orleans actually stays. He basically has until March 18th to sign that new deal. Otherwise, they have to cut him because the way they structured the contract um, you know, would lock in a $32 million roster bonus in 2024, uh, fully guaranteed if he, if he doesn't <laughs> like it. Yeah, so it's literally That's a wild, eight That's days. A wild contract. Hey, go ahead. So, well, basically what you do is I'll explain that real quickly. Why you did that is you put it super high because you can't renegotiate more than once in a single year if you're raising the money. But if you put it super high okay. and then you go below that, you can do that more than so. So that, that you know, people are making fun of them. I saw on Twitter people making fun of the Saints for doing that. That was intentional. You put it at super, super, super high because then you can negotiate below that. So anyway, I think that maybe gets done, uh, which I was not expecting at all coming into the offseason. Um, and then Odell Beckham. I mean, look, he's got a he's got a workout today at two thirty, which you know I don't think is usually a great sign when a guy puts on a public showing. But I think for him. Like when he was trying to sign late last offseason, I think teams were concerned having not seen him play or even do a you know full scale workout. And so he's one where if he looks good, he said himself like he wants to sign a multi year deal and, and plant roots somewhere for multiple years. So I think he's more likely to get more than just a one year flyer of those two guys. Thomas, I think, would be a one year prove it. Um, I think Odell, it's not gonna it's not gonna break the bank, but you know, 10, 11 per year on a, on a three year deal, something like that. Um, the workout today will obviously, you know, go a long way in, in, in seeing how he looks. Yeah, just wait. Um, just wait for the uh, DAC restructure uh, Od- Odell Beckham signing. That'll come. <laughs> that'll be yep. coming on the same day. I mean, is there any? Oh my God! You can imagine the the grin on uh, Jerry Jones's face if he has uh, if he has Beckham coming in there. He he'll he'd love that. He'd love that more than anyone. Oh, yeah. Um, okay, so yeah, wide receiver is also a position that I generally just like don't see a lot of value in free agency by the analysis that I've done. Maybe we'll flip to one that I do see some value in, and that's the interior offensive line. What, what do you think about interior offensive line, I guess, generally? Do you kind of agree with me that these guys can be values? I think mostly because the franchise tag is just based across the entire offensive line, so you don't want to use those on interior offensive linemen unless they're like really elite, elite guard type of prospects. What do you think about this class in particular? I do. I think it's a good class. There's a lot of depth there. You know, I think Dalton Risner with Denver will get a solid deal, but I think couldn't, you know, isn't going to break the bank and be eight, nine million per year. Uh, maybe someone goes bigger there, but I, I think that could be a solid value. I think Isaac Sumalo, because he has some injury concerns, you know, the guy in Philadelphia who was phenomenal this past season has started at both left guard and right guard and, and grades very well either spot you know, is going to get maybe 11-12, which I still think could be a decent value. I mean, Lakin Tomlinson getting 13 last year I thought was just too much, and it sounds like all these guys are going to come below that. One more that I'm just going to throw out there is kind of a deep sleeper, but, you know, that's what we're talking about. The values is um, I think Coleman Shelton from the Los Angeles Rams is interesting. Actually signed a two-year deal last year but had an opt-out if he played enough snaps. I mean, he did. He hit that threshold. He played right guard last year after playing center and then flipped over to center when Brian Allen got hurt. So he can play both spots and he's in that wide zone, you know, infamous offense with Sean McVay. I think a lot of teams like I don't think he's going to sign a huge contract, but he's a pretty good player with positional flexibility. I think he's an interesting name to me. That is an interesting name. And it's from an offensive line. I would not expect <laughs> Based yeah. on their performance last year, he was but the only again, one who graded well last year of the entire <laughs> yeah. of the entire group. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a it's a weak link. It's a weak link system. Let's get right. Eric uh, eager right. on there to tell us about why we shouldn't. Uh, <laughs> uh, but maybe that's maybe that's like a maybe that's like a low key uh, way to find value. Is you you look at really terrible 
True. Like offensive lines generally, and knowing it's a weak link system, try to pick out the guys who may be passed over for the fact that they're just like, when you just think about watching Rams games and Stafford just getting pummeled all season long, that you wouldn't be like, well, I I want some of that on our team. Um, (laughs) uh, Tight end is somewhat interesting to me, but I feel like tight end is just the weirdest position because I think on veteran contracts for non-quarterbacks, if you're truly one of these elite guys, but the problem is there are just so, so, so few of them might be the best deals in the NFL. Like your Kelsey type of contracts, your Gronk contracts, all that time, your Kittle contracts at the same time, like there's not a really a great reason to spend early draft picks on them because they don't end up panning out a lot. And these guys who are more in the mid tier sort of area. Like, I don't know what your upside is for a Dalton Schultz or an Evan Ingram or a Mike, Jasicki or these these types of guys. Well, well, what do you think about the tight end position? Yeah, so the big thing here too is the draft class. Not even just the top, even though I think it is one of the best, you know, top of the class groups ever. It's also super deep, and all of them did great in Indy and probably boost their stock based on testing. So that will work against them. But yeah, like you said, the thing is the market is so suppressed that all like on an absolute value versus relative value basis, there's a lot of good value there. So I was going to say Jasicki is maybe the guy who gets a little bit too much. Um, yeah, I've heard totally mixed reviews there. You could get a lot. I've heard some people say he's not going to do very well. Um, but I think there are some values. I think Austin Hooper's interesting to me. Austin Hooper's younger than like Schultz and Njoku, like or not Njoku, but he's younger than a lot of these dudes coming up. Um, we just think of him as old because he already had the veteran deal in Cleveland. He did not look good in his last year, but I thought bounced back well in Tennessee. He can actually block unlike a lot of these dudes. And then there's kind of some like interesting, like Irv Smith is interesting to me. He keeps getting hurt in Minnesota, but like is talented and plays well when he does play. It's just he doesn't play very often. Yeah, yeah. If any uh, fantasy football uh, players are yeah. listening to this, which I'm sure they are, Irv Smith breakouts. Let's just keep it going. Let's keep it rolling Coming. for the for the, <laughs> the entire rest of his career. Yeah, I like the Hooper. Depending upon depending on how much they cost. Like if you could get a guy cheap, where it's like Hooper, Hayden Hurst, one of these guys. That, that's where I feel like the value is for tight end. It's like, okay, we can, we can kind of like check a box, right? We can bring someone in without having to use a draft pick necessarily a high value draft pick on someone and check a box there. What do you think about Foster Moreau? I'm kind of interested in him a little bit and he would be like ultra, ultra hyped if he had stepped up a bit more with Waller missing some time this last season, like he had sometimes in the past. Uh, but he's very young. He, he looked pretty good. I think as far as, being able to get down the field a decent amount. So maybe even stretch a defense a little bit with that, with his athleticism. I'm just not sure what the contract will be there, but I could see him as being a guy guy where if you sign him to a two or three year deal, you might get some good value on the back end of that. If he's able to step forward. I could not agree more. And he was my guy coming into the offseason. I thought would do better because there are a lot of these like mid, not not the Hunter Henry and and Johnny Smith level, but there's also a lot of like guys you don't think about that go on to sign for like eight, 9 million per year. I thought he was going to be that guy, and he really just did not take advantage of the opportunity of Darren Waller not being there um, for pretty much the entire season. Like, if he did, if he had a 700-yard season and, you know, four or five touchdowns, like, I think he is signing for maybe even $10 million a year. I think now you could get him at seven or so, and I do think there is the potential. You know, maybe he was hurt or something we don't know about. Um, yeah, like you said, he can stretch the field a little bit. He's a good athlete. He's a solid blocker. He's not a great blocker, but he's better than, again, a lot of these other guys. He is probably one of my favorite, like, if he takes a step, I, I just like he just missed this opportunity this past season. Yeah, yeah. If, if I were going to make excuses for him or context, maybe I should say rather than an excuse for what happened with the last season, I do think the pie in total for sure. Raiders passing attack went way down year over year. That's part of like, even though Carr got a big deal. So, but, but everybody, everyone's talking about Derek Carr, like he was a top 12 quarterback after last season. And then you bring in Devonte Adams, where there's no one who's more of a, of a pie hog than Dante. Adams. I mean, Devontae Adams, he's just, he's just taking all the targets there. True. So there's like a little bit less to go around to everyone else there, you know, and some of the other names or guys that can just suck up some some targets too. So maybe I'll, I'll make that excuse for him because I've already decided that I like him. So I'll just keep doing confirmation bias and I'll, I'll, I'll go in even further on him at this point. Um, let's, let's keep it keeping with the skill position a little bit here. What what like what is a running back other than the guys who are getting franchise tagged here? Like I don't know what to think about running backs. I do think you could probably get some guys very cheap. But, like, is there any value? I, I can't think of a guy who was signed to a lower-level, mid-level veteran contract, which is a very cheap contract. Don't, don't get me wrong. 
um, after their rookie year, not franchise, who really ends up doing that much on the next team? I think it's only your your scat back receiver type guys that t- sometimes yes, pan out. Okay, on I'll agree with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but I hear you though. Like the oh, this guy's a good early down runner. You can get him for four million, and then it's like yeah, like he's he's done. Like he's not. You know, there's not a lot not, not a lot of juice left. So you know, in, in that vein, the one guy I think I guess could fit that bill. Again, health is the main concern. But like Rashad Penny, when he's healthy, is a good early down running back. And I think because of the injuries, he's not going to get that much. Um, so I think he's a potential value, but then, yeah, like the Jarek McKinnons of the world, like, you know, I just talked about, like he maybe is a solid signing cause he's not going to get a ton also has an injury history. It obviously hasn't cropped up recently, um, but a good receiver, you know, a good pass blocker this past year in Kansas city, I think to a degree, um, you know, those things help a little bit, especially, you know, in the contract realm. But I think the franchise tags and, and the, and the pay cuts for all these guys, like the market's not gonna be that strong. I think Miles Sanders might get a decent deal. And I think that could be an overpay. Um, you know, like the Leonard Fournette last year where they give it to him, it seems good, and then they caught him a year later. Yeah, yeah. No, my, Sanders was being, was going to be my guy for for being overpaid. Again, it's like uh, rising tide lifts all boats sort of situation. Yeah. You're coming off of that Eagles offense. That's just going to that's just gonna happen sometimes. All right, and then rounding out here, I guess tight end would be another – I mean a tight end. A tackle would be another position where generally I don't see a lot of value there, but we're going to have – a big contract for Orlando Brown, at least. I don't know about like Caleb McGarry and guys who are more run blockers, what they'll be viewed on the, on the, on the free agent market or Mike McGlinchey is another guy where is is interesting because the draft capital behind them, stuff like that. Do you think generally these guys can be good signings? Like, well, what do you think about, I guess Brown first, because he's going to be by far the marquee guy. Yeah, no Brown, I think he's going to get 20 plus, And I think, He's he's a good, not great tackle. So I mean, look, you're gonna overpay for tackle production in, in free agency. That that's a given. Like you know, forget the other positions. Like that's that's just gonna happen. I think he won't play up to that level, but I don't think he's gonna be terrible. Um, the yeah. ones I'm concerned about, I think Mitch, I think Mitch McGarry, I think Caleb McGarry is gonna get paid too much money. You look at his true pass set stuff with us, and it's just simply not good. He was in the run heaviest and play ha- play action heaviest offense last year in his kind of true breakout, and it still was more of a you know, always a good run blocker. He was an elite run blocker last year, but still not a great pass protector. Um, McGlinchey, kind of same thing. Um, so, yeah, Juwan Taylor is going to get a massive deal, and he does show up very well in our true pass set and just pass protection metrics. I think he's probably the only potential value – oh, not value, but, you know, potentially the guy that gets the big deal and actually plays up to it I think could be Juwan Taylor. The one value I see, kind of another deep cut, but Jermaine Illuminor, uh, been around for a while, floated around rosters, you know, the Patriots for a little bit. Played very well this last year for the Raiders, you know, with his buddies from New England. Um, you know, has some positional flexibility, can play guard a little bit, um, can be a swing tackle to a degree. You probably only want him on the right side, but not going to get a huge deal. And it was really, really good last year. Again, no matter how you break it down, not getting boosted up by kind of fluky stuff. Played really well last year in Las Vegas. Yeah, no, I like him. It'll be interesting to see. I mean, it's like a that's a price sensitive one for me. I feel like if you can get like a good swing tackle potential guy like that's a valuable role to have in in an NFL offense like you're not swinging for the fence in free agency but if you're going for that um I like that one all right let's flip over to the defensive side of things um at least by these projections that I've done and you know I'm not going to say that the greatest projections ever the reliability of it but Javon Hargrave is like so like head and shoulders above anybody as far as the value that will be added so but he's going to get He's going to get paid also on this here. Do you think it's pause? What do you think about paying for the, at least in my opinion, the one like truly elite, maybe like difference making sort of player here. I know some people may look at some of the safeties and other stuff, but I guess that's just not like there's just more supply in that type of position. Um, so what do you think about Hargrave as someone who can, who can get to the, who can rush the passer, you know, from the interior? I mean, very, very well. It's the last couple of years, he's been just below, you know, Chris Jones and Aaron Donald and a ton of not again, not just grades, but, you know, pass rush win rate, pressure percentage, um, actual just pressures, all those things. So he's asking for about $20 million a year. I think he'll come in just below that unless one team just, you know, has to go over the top and get that done. Um, so, you know, going to be going to be 30 next year. I think he is a very, very good player. Um, you know, it's going to be tough to play up to that level. But, you know, I would rather do that than. I like Draymond Jones. I've always liked Draymond Jones personally, like even in college that he was a stud, but he's going to get like 17, 18 million dollars a year. And I just think like, I don't know, you know, younger, obviously than Hargrave and, and can't take some strides. You know, I think he might shift from a three, four to a four, three, depending where he goes. Maybe that helps him. I don't know. Um, 
I think he's pretty, you know, struggles against the run. That would be even worse in an, in an even front versus an odd front. But again, I, I always liked him, but that's, I had him at 15 to start the off season. I heard he could get 18. That's a bit much. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think I agree with that. I mean, I'm just interested in Hargrave, but it's also one of those situations where, I guess I would want an out in case like a cliff <laughs> comes that you don't know about. And maybe there's some concern. I mean, I think the the grading helps parse this out a little bit, but maybe there's some concern where you have like a besieged offensive line on the other side that certain guys can kind of sneak through a little bit more often than they would. If, if he's going to go someplace else who presumably doesn't have a lot of upfront pass rushing talent, um, how they can play out there. Uh, edge. Edge here. I mean, you got clown. You, you got guys. You got old. You get some of these older old heads out here, um, like Melvin Ingram or Justin Houston or Clowney to a degree. Clowney's not that old, but he's been around forever. There. I mean, I think like all these guys could be decent as long as you don't tie yourself in for more than a year. I kind of think like old Edge for a very short term. You're not completely reliant upon them. Kind of like what Houston was last year can be a little bit undervalued. What do you think? been a ton of great values all those guys you mentioned um you know brandon graham as well also uh jerry hughes was great in houston last year always been a good guy you know good so like there's been a ton of good values there um it's an awful class though overall like if you're looking for a multi-year fix there generally might not be one um i think yannick and gakwe is gonna get paid too much because of sack production um you know very specific player he's a wide nine rusher that can that can get sacks is that i think at least eight every year of his career you know, obviously, we say how fluky that is. It is, but maybe some guys are finishers or whatever you know we want to say. But he'll probably get too much, in my opinion. I think there are a couple interesting, cheaper options. Um, Agbania Akaronquo in Houston had a phenomenal end of the year. He finally became an actual starter, playing more snaps. And the production, honestly, rose. Uh, did not dip at all. Um, probably, in my opinion, fits better as an outside linebacker than a D-end. But an interesting player to me. I think Charles Amenehu in San Francisco is interesting. Arden Key is kind of an inside-outside flex guy, uh, you know, with Jacksonville. I think they want to bring him back, and that might happen. But there's those guys is more the market I'm in. You're trying to spend like eight to ten million dollars. Samson Ebicam, another guy from San Francisco. Um, but there's no like, you know, I, I, obviously the marquee guys don't really work out that often. But there's no, yeah, yeah. there's not, there's none of those guys out there. Marcus Davenport, one-year flyer. Maybe he stays healthy. He's always, you know. Bo- all his numbers are great. He just has, I think he's played, I don't think he's ever played 500 snaps in a season. So you have to, you have to know that as well. Yeah. I think this might be like saving them from themselves. Uh, some of these GMs, yeah. the fact that none of these guys are actually available in this draft. Um, okay. So we're talking more off ball linebacker here now with, with, you know, Bobby Wagner also being thrown into the mix here versus I'm looking at some older projections that I have here. Um, do you see any value here? Because when we talk about Wagner, we talk about Levante Dave, we're talking about elite players who are who are old. I don't know how that I don't know what an aging curve is like for for um, off ball linebacker. I think it might be OK. But again, it's like, can you rely upon these guys for more than a year? But maybe you don't really need to. Uh, it's it's generally pretty steep. A lot of these guys can fall off. I mean, the, the, the guys like, like David's still a phenomenal player. I think when you're that cerebral and your instincts are that good and you just know where to go, it can yeah. kind of help you overcome some of the physical limitations that develop. But yeah, it's such a, this is probably the, the heaviest position in the entire free agency, if I, if I had to say. And then you add in Eric Hendricks, you add in Bobby Wagner. Um, I think David will do well. I think David's going to get over $10 million a year, but I would imagine it's one year stuff for him, for Wagner and Kendricks. Um, I think that uh, I mean, Edmonds is going to get a gigantic deal, maybe $18, $19 million a year. I think Bobby Okereke at this point gets around $10 million a year. But there's so many names, um, you know, like Van Der Esch and Drew Tranquil. And I mean, I could go on forever. The only values I see here, I don't know why Kaiser White doesn't get en- enough love. Um, he's a solid coverage back. I'm not saying he's a great player, but a solid coverage backer. Um, got a one-year $3 million deal from Philly last year with some incentives. You know, played well. He did fine. Um but I think he'll be in that range again. And then one really another deep sleeper that I find fascinating um, is Caden Ellis with the New Orleans Saints, who basically seven round, seventh round pick for them had basically not played at all until this year. And he's an interesting, like Kyle Van Noy type, where like they played him in off ball. They also like brought him down and had him rush the passer for a hundred plus snaps this year and looked really, really good. Um, kind of in all those facets, like literally has like 700 NFL snaps on it uh, uh, total um, over four years. But but one of those guys that maybe, you know, you get him for four or five million a year and, you know, just like takes that next step somewhere else. Um, and, and we're talking about him, you know, down the road. So overpaid here. I was thinking at Edmonds was my, 
<laughs> so that guy, I was thinking for overpay. Okay. Uh, but what about TJ Edwards? I thought maybe he's someone who's going to get a, a, a decent bag, but I'm not, I, I don't know. I'm not sure. I think he'll get like 10 to 12 range, but his, his range is ginormous. Like you talk to people okay. that think yeah, you get yeah. like six or seven and some people tell you, you get 14. Like it's, it's so wide. His big knock was you couldn't play him on third down. You couldn't use him in coverage. He did take strides in that regard this year. I don't think he's what you want him to do is like manning up on tight ends or wide receiver threes or, or running backs or anything like that. But, um, it, but he's not a total liability, especially if you're a zone heavy defense, which obviously Philly was. Um, but yeah, his he is the widest range of any free agent. I've talked to people in the entire free agency class. His range is the widest. Yeah, yeah, because he was the other guy that I would that I think has potential when we look back to be like the most overpaid guy. I'm just not sure if he's going to get the pay. Whereas I know, right, right, I, I know Edmonds is going to get the bag, so that makes it like a safer mm-hmm. call to say that mm-hmm. that he's going to be that that person. Um, safety now, safety again. There's just a ton of dudes out here. Well, not a ton of dudes, but there's there's some dudes. Uh, some of somewhat older though, I guess we're talking about Poyer and, and McCourtney and all those, uh, McCourtney and all those guys. Um, what do you think about, and Jimmy Ward, God, these guys are older than I thought. Um, what do you think about safety? And I guess everyone's going to be talking about Jesse Bates in, in this regard. It's look at a big deal. I don't know if I would say it's an it's overpay. A lot of old dudes. Oh my God. I'm looking through here. There's so many old dudes. Oh yeah. yeah, no, like Cloud and, yeah, yeah. It's a lot of, a lot of old dudes. There's also a lot of young guys. It's always a flooded market. Yeah. It's always, I don't want to say suppressed, but it's hard to do very well in free agency because there's always a ton of options. But just like I mentioned earlier with, with I think, linebacker, um, the safety dra- – or whatever it was, the safety draft class also stinks. Like there is not – there's maybe one or two guys that go in the first round, and even after that, like there's not a lot of talent there. So that could help them. I think there are values here, though. So I'm a big Donovan Wilson fan from the Dallas Cowboys, um, a guy that can play forward, can rush the passer, almost kind of like a hybrid linebacker type player. Not quite, but, you know, in that mold of, you know, some of those guys that you can play out in the box, you can do a lot of different things with, and not a liability in coverage, not a great coverage player, but not a liability. Um, there's your Julian Love and Juan Thornhill and, and, and those guys of the world. But anyway, I think you know, Deshaun Elliott and, and Detroit could be a good value. John Johnson getting cut by the Browns maybe doesn't get that big of a deal. I'm still a young player that was very good at a time. Like, it's just, yeah, safety, there's just so many options, and it's kind of hard to peg who gets paid and who doesn't. Um, I feel like I'm forgetting name like Taylor Rapp with LA, Nick Scott with LA, I think is a good player. There's just, and all these guys are falling in like the five to nine range. There's 15 guys that might sign for in that range. Okay. So let, let's talk about Bates then. Cause he's going to be the name. I mean, is he going to get like a Marcus Williams sort of deal considering yep. how thin it is? I think he'll get it right around there. 15, 16 instead of the, you know, 14 per year over five was Marcus, Marcus Williams. I think Bates gets just a hair above that. I mean, God, you know, the Ravens, I respect the Ravens, but it really goes against my, like, just general, like, base rate philosophy to be paying dudes this much. Um, but, hey, you know. they've Yeah, they've, they've paid – they've spent resources at non-premium positions, you know. I know, uh, testing. You know, yeah, they, I mean, they drafted, you know, a safety and a, and a center in the first round last year, too, on top of the, the Williams deal. Um, I think, the, by the way, random. But the trade for the Jets yesterday to get Chuck Clark for a seventh, I thought was a, it was a great trade, trade for the Jets. He's a good player. Yeah, also allowed uh, Schefter and others to tease the trade and then then come through with that afterwards. All right, corner is another position where I don't know if you're getting elite play, but when these guys switch teams, sometimes you get like, it's basically really, you're just shaking it up and you have all these different outcomes you can get and you throw it against the wall. And sometimes you find guys who were done. They're like done someplace else. I'm thinking maybe like Xavier Rhodes type, maybe even a Patrick Peterson type where they're done and then they go someplace else. And it's like, ah, oh, maybe they're not as done as we, as we thought they were. Is that is that what you're looking for here? Or are there guys that you're really going to want to drop a bag on in this class? I think the scheme changes are big. So the guys you mentioned basically went from more man heavy to playing more zone and it helped them with their, their loss of athleticism. On the flip side, he's going to get a massive deal. But Jamel Dean has said many times, like, I want to play more press coverage. I want to play more man. And Tampa Bay with Todd Bowles has been very zone-heavy. I don't think it's been a great fit for his skill set. Um, you know, and when he does play press coverage, his grades for us are phenomenal. His yards per coverage snap, all those, you know, advanced metrics look good, um, in particular when he's playing in, in those alignments. So he could be, I think, an example of a guy that, like, you go somewhere else and, and you're very good because I think it's a better fit for you. The crazy one to me is I had Byron Murphy at, like, $9 million a year, and Tom Pelissero came out yesterday – and he does his article every year 
where he says like seven to ten pending free agents that could get more than you expect. So he doesn't talk about like you know the Javon Hargraves and whatever of the world. Yeah, it's kind yeah. of just below that. I think he says unheralded, and it's like it's guys that you should know. But anyway, he said Byron Murphy could also get like 14, 15, 16 a year, which is insane to me. He's a good player. Early draft pick, early second round pick. He does have inside outside flexibility. He can play man and zone, do a lot of different things. But if someone pays him $15 million a year, I think that is going to be a bad contract. Um, the value for me is he come, coming off an ACL tear, which stinks. But Emmanuel Mosley was looking really good in San Francisco, signed a short term extension a couple years ago. Um, I thought he was going to, you know, maybe sign like a significant multi year extension if he stayed healthy. Now maybe you get him on a one year flyer, kind of like Jason Verrett in San Francisco. Uh, you know, where he signed, what, one year, four million and had an awesome season. Like, I think Mosley could do that as well, coming off the ACL tear, and then you get great value if he stays healthy. What about someone like Bradbury? Is he, I don't know where he falls into the spectrum of, like, post-hype. Is he in that category, or is he still hype? Is he is he still going to get a big deal? I think we'll get, like, two years for 11 or $12 million a year. So definitely definitely CB2 money. Not going to get some big old bag. I mean, he was, he was the clearest CB2 to, to Darius Slay this past year. Yeah. A good player that – there's a perfect example where, like, he was playing a man-heavy scheme in, in New York with Patrick Graham. I mean, he played fine, but they caught him. I think they thought, you know, he should go to a little bit more off coverage. And Philadelphia, like, does not play press that much at all. Um or at least they didn't with Jonathan Gannon. And I think it's why he made the Pro Bowl and, and had a, like a bounce back really good year. He's a good player. Um, was super, super high in forced incompletion rate. I've kind of started to look at, you know, depending on what you play, but not always a good signal. It, it, it oftentimes can mean you're getting targeted a lot, which is probably not exactly a good thing. Um, but does show up in a lot, you know, well, a lot of metrics this past year. So, yeah, mid-tier, 10, 10, or, 10 or 12. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's an interesting guy, and I'd be very price sensitive on it. But I do think a lot of times in free agency, and I mentioned this for different positions, where there's wide receiver, definitely for cornerback, like there's too much paying up for the perception of solidifying something where, sorry, it just doesn't exist in the NFL period, but it really doesn't exist in free agency. We have guys switching teams and everything else. Like they're just not that solid. Like everyone should kind of look at and downgrade their, their thoughts on how like set you are at a particular position when you're bringing someone in, in free agency. And then maybe it would kind of narrow the, the ranges of what guys are getting paid, which I think would benefit teams a little bit more here. All right. I think we've done it all. We've said it all. Kickers, you want to get kick? We asked to get some kicker takes for me. Uh, I do. I know Matt Gay is a free agent, so there, there's a name. I just that just came to me. Post hype. I like post hype kicker. Post hype Robbie Gold, like a Robbie Gold. Yeah, Robbie Gold. Yeah, there you go. Post hype kicker. Let's go. I don't even know what a post hype punter looks like, but um, those guys are getting drafted a little bit more often. So I want to hear about punter. Punt. People love people love the punters that come out of the draft. Uh, okay, Brad, I know you got to get going pretty soon. I'm going to let you go here, but before I do, what do you want to plug? What's going on? Um, are you just, are you going into a bunker for the next week to just digest all this different news going on? What's happening? Yeah. So if you want to drop talking. some breaking news too, if you want to drop some I'm breaking news right here, then hey, go I ahead. put out Gino's incentives yesterday. I was first. I of course <laughs> okay. got no credit from Mike Garofalo. For some reason, he never <laughs> wants to give me credit. Um, yeah. but anyway, uh, everything I just talked about, we have our PFFs top 200 free agents. I have contract projections for every single guy on there and I'll actually, I'll be in Cincinnati in live in studio covering free agency. Um, so, you know, keep an eye on that next Monday through Wednesday when all the big deals come in. Um, I'll, I'll be covering them all. You are the free agency guy. You're the guy, you're the contract guy. You are the, the important stuff. Let's face it. Like these, these prospect evaluations, it's all nonsense. The cash. It's about the cash. <laughs> it's all nonsense. <laughs> this is cash money here. Store stuff here. Well, thank you, Brad, for joining me. I know this is a very busy time for you, so I appreciate it. I think this would be truly highly, highly informative for everyone out there. Uh, follow Brad at PFF underscore Brad, right? Follow him on Twitter. Uh, you know, get all the PFF stuff. I know I'm no longer there, but I'm subscribed. I'm in there. I'm, I'm stealing all their information and all of Brad's yeah. uh, contract projections. And then also <laughs> mocking them, mocking them and stealing them at the same time if they don't align with what I think. So you were uh, right. Hey, credit to you on Gino. You were right. I'll I know. I should be taking some victory laps on that. You should take a victory lap. I agree. It's already over, though. Like, no one cares yeah, by this point. Yeah, you got, we got Schultz. We got Schultz. Try, all I'm trying to do the next week is not get Schultz. That's our new our new, uh, new catchphrase. Just don't get Schultz. Maybe getting Schultz is good, though, because let's face yeah. it. Like, if you victory lap, no one remembers that the lap was a no. fraudulent lap. You still yeah, got no, the lap. No. Yeah, 100%. It was too late. I got, you know, yeah. So that's true. That's true. All right. Well, thanks for joining me, man. Always good to talk to you, whether on here or otherwise. And uh, take it easy, all right? Yeah. Thanks for having me. See you.